Hello, world singers. My name is Tyler. And my name is Brooke. And this is Cosmere Cosmere Conversations. This is it. 100 episodes. 100th episode. We are incredibly grateful to the community, the fans, the people who have been there from the very beginning. But we, this is a milestone and we want to celebrate. Yeah. When we first started this podcast, we legitimately had zero idea if anyone at all would ever listen to it. We know (laughs) that there are a many fan-created communities and podcasts and, and things to do now. When we first started this podcast, I think there was only one other the Cosmere official. podcast, yes, which was, was the official one. And we were just so dying for more Cosmere content, more Cosmere conversations that we created this podcast. And it truly has been so wonderful over the last couple of years of doing this to get to connect with other Cosmere fans and learn so much about this world that we love so much. Exactly. It has been emotionally engaging. It has been mentally stimulating. Mm -hmm. And I think most importantly, it has been really wonderful to have people who reach out and say the same type of thing. I love the Cosmere, but nobody around me is yeah. talking about it. Or, <laughs> I, you know, I'm in a country where the books have just been translated and like nobody knows what this is whatsoever. And the podcast is helpful in that way because it makes me feel part of the greater community. And that is way bigger of a reach than yeah. I ever thought that we would have. So totally to you, to the listeners, thank you so much for 100 episodes We have a fun little project that we wanted to debut on. We wanted to do something fun, a little bit different, a little bit special for our 100th episode. And so we have a fun game. Ooh, a world building game. (laughs) This is something that is great for like a long car ride. If you're with the fam, this will kill a lot of time for you and be very engaging. That's true. It can go from the very casual to literally the creation of multiple book series because we are going to go through a world building technique that was at least from my knowledge kind of solidified and constructed by author N.K. Jeminson who has done this or a version of this at her own lectures and educational courses and on a couple of other podcasts, which is where we heard it and got the idea and concept. And it's basically a really fun version of how she as an author creates the world. But I think that if you watch Brandon's or have ever taken Brandon's classes, he has similar things that he talks about on his Writing Excuses podcast in terms of world building and character creation and how all of these things need to make sense and go together. And so the question is like, well, how do you start that? How do you begin? And that's what we're going to do today is we are going to create a Cosmere world. We hope that you will participate and join in some of the fun. There are some links in the doobly-doo that you can check out if you 
have further inklings after listening to this episode, give those a quick listen. But first, we wanted to do some official Brandon News updates. The Kickstarter has been funded, surprise, with a total of $41.7 million from 180,000 backers. There are 180,000 Cosmere fans, apparently. No, 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 no. Hold on. There are 180,000 people who are willing to pay somewhere between 400 and 700 or $800 to get books that will not be delivered for more than a year. Well, less that's than not, a year. Yeah, okay. But that's not just Cosmere fans. That's like 180,000 of the nerdiest, nerdiest, <laughs> tippy top of the fandom. There are. To be fair, I think some of those people are also like new people you think there's a lot of people who have been brought in recently just because of the kickstarter that is yeah on one of the recent uh live streams that i watched someone was saying how they have friends who like want to read brandon sanderson but have been too intimidated by the plethora of options to start um and there are a lot of different places where you can start the cosmere you know do you start with elantris or warbreaker or stormlight archive and so they just don't start and they have expressed that this is going to be their like intro their jumping off point into the cosmere like maybe they just got the digital books but you know they're short books that kind of give you an idea for his style and uh yeah i think this brought some some new readers new fans into the fold Well, we are clearly excited about this project. The success of the Kickstarter has done, I think what Brandon, again, mentioned in one of the live streams about his underlying goal was actually demonstrating the power of the fandom. And there's a lot of power in the fandom. And so Brandon is wielding something here, a la a shard, wielding all the power (laughs) of the Cosmere community. And you know, where he directs it next is just another mystery that we will have to stay on. And we will definitely keep you updated as there are new announcements. But I wanted to bring attention to the fact that Kickstarter as a mechanism or as a launch point for this project presented Brandon with so much success. I mean, it was wildly successful. This is more than double the next highest and best funded project in kickstarting history. And Brandon didn't want that to go to waste. So he actually went through or is in the process of going through every single Kickstarter that involves the publication of a book or series of books, and he is going to fund them all. So every single kickstarting project that involves publishing brandon is now your he did have some caveats like it can't break kickstarter's terms of service and it can't be like adults only content but everything else (laughs) exactly so almost every one of the publishing kickstarters brandon and the cosmere community as a part have funded and that's really the next level type of thing like this isn't just about making money or having a really big you know title of Mm -hmm. number one kickstarter Mm -hmm. of all time There is a lot going on here that's going to benefit communities that are smaller than the Cosmere and going to really help authors make a name for themselves. And, you know, you never know where the next Brandon Sanderson is going to come from. You never know what book that you begin is going to turn into a lifelong love affair. I think this is just a testament to 
what the power of fandom can do and what the power of community We're can stronger do. together. Exactly. It is also not going unnoticed by many of the people outside of the publishing community. We're talking books, we're talking movies, but most recently from Brandon himself, we're talking video games. Because from software, which some of you may know from their most recent game release, which is called Elden Ring, and their more famous series called Dark Souls, has approached Brandon and asked if he would like to be part of, or if he had any ideas for a new video game. And Brandon's basic response was, I always have ideas. <laughs> he said this. Would you go ahead and read that from Brandon? Quote, this is how I roll. I actually have a pitch for them in the back of my head, so I may have to send them my pitch and see what they think. End quote. And that pitch is specifically related to From Software's Soulsborne universe. So fans of that universe may be intrigued. And this cross collaboration is really fun because there are limits. Like Brandon is a writing machine and, you know, produces at an incredible rate, but he doesn't have the ability to make a video game. He doesn't have the ability to make a movie or a TV show. Mm -hmm. Like you can't do those things by yourself. And certainly yeah, there's a have special to collaborate. Team. Exactly. And so the concept that one of the bigger and more popular video game publishers is interested in Brandon's ideas, I think, sure, it may start out as Brandon dipping his toe into their universe, the Soulsborne universe. But eventually, if that's successful, they're going to turn that back around mm. and they're going to come dip into the Cosmere universe. Sure. Cool. Keep an eye out for those types of things in the future. And until that time, we hope that you enjoy this little collaborative effort of creating a Cosmere world that maybe one day from software will, you know, be contacting oh us to <laughs> say, mm, that, was a, that was a really good creation you did. Absolutely not. This is all for fun and clearly is going to be filled with ridiculousness. So strap in and here we go to create a Cosmere world. This is inspired by N.K. Jemison's world building lectures. And she gave a little demo of this world building technique on another podcast. And so as soon as one of our listeners was like, design your own Cosmere world, I was like, oh, this would be a perfect opportunity for us to try out her world building technique and kind of go through her structure. So that's what we're doing today. And if you are so enjoying what we do, you can find N.K. Jemison's interview with Ezra Klein, which is like the OG we were inspired by. But we went through that, kind of took out the outline that she uses to build a world. And we want to do that with some of the limitations that Brandon has left us with in the cosmos. Yeah, which is actually very nice. <laughs> yes, it's going to be so much easier than doing it from complete scratch. That being said, we are still amateurs and not professional writers. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I think the best way to start this off is to 
discuss what our limitations are, as Brandon so often likes to do, you know, define the limits and then play within the limits. Okay. And the limits are basically, there are very few limits. (laughs) Okay. The only thing that we are working from is the Cosmere as it exists today. Right. We are giving the limitation and it has to be a Cosmere world. And we're going to add the limitation that we are going to use one of the currently known shards that has not yet been assigned a world. So we both have to know the shard, but we cannot use all the other shards that exist. Right. So just the remaining shards that we know of, and we can't invent our own shard or like fill in the gap with the last one, only confirmed shards. And that's where N.K. Jemison begins, is defining the laws of the universe yeah she was like sometimes i just skip this step because then you have to like know stuff about physics and i was like well conveniently for us someone else has already designed our universe (laughs) it's really great we don't have to (laughs) choose anything because we exist in the cosmere which is a dwarf galaxy with all of the planets and characters that you love and our world is going to exist in there which means that the physics as you mentioned and all of the different aspects of the three realms and romantic theory all of that still applies as it would to any cosmere world so then the next thing that we need to know about the universe and specifically our planet is which shard we're going to use As a reminder, right now, we know that the remaining shards that exist are Mercy, Whimsy, Valor, and Invention. This is our first crossroads. We haven't decided any of this ahead of time. Yeah, none of this has been talked about or planned or anything. So we are doing this all on the Completely live. And so I'm going to just throw out my first opinion and where I want to go. And you can bounce back. I want to do Invention. Okay. Invention Planet or the, the Planet of Invention. Yeah, I've been thinking about this basically all day. (laughs) Like, hmm, what kind of world would these shards have? Obviously, you know, I can't wait for the whimsy world. I think Valor could be very interesting. Yes, definitely could be super cool and Uh excited about. And I think Invention could be really interesting, too. So let's go with Invention. Okay, it is Invention. We are existing on Invention's planet. Now, in the Cosmere... I believe that Invention's world is their own, that there is no other shard. But I we don't, don't know if we actually know anything. I, I don't think that we yeah. have anything confirmed, but let's just go with that notion that there's no competing shard on this yeah, planet. Okay. It's not a shared situation like honor and yeah. cultivation. This mm-hmm. is Invention's planet alone, similar to Taldane being okay. autonomies. Should we talk about like our definitions or our concepts of, of invention. Of course, we have to define. Just so like you and I are on the same page while we are creating this together. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. So what do you want our invention shard to be defined by? Well, I think it can go a lot of different ways. I would say I'm tempted to make invention be the same thing as like creation. But I think those are two different things. And I want to make the distinction that creation is like creating something from nothing. Mm. And invention is creating something new from things that already exist. Okay, I understand. And maybe the word innovation would also need to be applied to invention where Mm. innovation doesn't really need to be applied to cultivation or creation. Right. Like, 
there has to be some innovation, what you said about like taking from other places yeah, and in like order to define an invention. On. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like that uh, way of working in like what distinguishes invention from something like creation. That's great. Okay. Do you feel good about sort of the universal things that we've established? I want to only add that invention doesn't have to be limited to the way that we would normally define a tech, like in our 21st yes. century world. It doesn't have to be technology specific. 100% okay. agree. That was like my fear in choosing invention is that we would be sucked into just like a tech world, steampunk, yeah, yeah tech yeah. world type thing, which is why I wanted to kind of zoom out and say, let's define invention because I think it is broader or can be broader, a broader concept than sure. just like an invention. And of course, it's our world. So we will definitely make it a broader concept. We're yeah. on the same page. I like oh, this. I'm so glad. Okay. Next, we move on to the landmass. What is like the geography of this world? What does the landmass look like? What's the climate? What's the ecology, etc.? Okay. My first thoughts are also to be a little bit different from what we've seen in the Cosmere. I don't want to copy okay. any other planet too mm -hmm. much, which means I think what I would like to see is more island-based oh. okay. situations. I mean, we do have an island planet already. I was going to go totally opposite okay. and say, like, let's do some mountains. Well, okay, like, so, so that's the thing. I want I islands know, that or, are... Or like Scottish rolling hills or something. Like I love this. Just super textured. So, okay, so here's my thing, is I want the islands to be incredibly varied. You mentioned mountains, and yeah, like, think of volcanoes like uh, Papua New Guinea. All of those islands throughout the Indonesian chain, they have such variation that you have everything from, like, the beautiful sandy beaches to maybe not quite Scottish rolling hills, but we can have rolling hills on our planet. But like a uh, jungle, huge volcanoes, huge mountains. Uh, wait, like, on like one island? No, on all, all of these different oh. islands. I want the so possibility of So you want it to lots. be the nowhere. The nowhere. What do you... Yeah, you know how each like chunk of the nowhere had like its own personality? Okay. Where you had like the island island and then the mountain island. Yes, kind of. I want that variation to exist because I think that could do well for inventing things and, and needing <laughs> invention for people because okay. the limitation of islands, I think, will help our story or our, our like planet progress. Mm. Can they That's, be big islands? Yes, of course. I'm just okay. saying not like Rashar. Rashar is a big, gigantic continent. <gasps> right. And it has all of the geography and climate of a big continent and i want the isolation of a bunch of different islands of different sizes the biggest would be a small continent okay yeah so that was my next question like are we talking about islands or are we just saying we want more than one continent because at least right now like our sort of main worlds scadrill and rashar are both so far one continent yeah exactly and so i understand wanting to like break away from that but i don't know if i want it to be an archipelago mm. like first of the sun where you have a bunch of small islands that people are constantly traveling not between. like that no i'm, I'm th thinking they're bigger big. yeah yeah so like the united kingdom and the british isles mm -hmm. is maybe a good example of the 
possible island size, but then imagine like 10 of those or whatever number we want to have okay. all kind of close by, but kind of separate. And so you can get variation. Yes, small islands can exist, but the primary thing is not like a, a long chain of small islands. I'm yeah. talking like big islands with varied geography within the islands, but then really different geography from other and we can call them something different from islands if you want, just for clarification Yeah, can purposes. they just be like small continents? Or small continents. Yeah, okay. that sounds great. So a bunch of small continents. Are you cool with that? Sure. Okay. So I like what I like about this idea on our invention world mm -hmm. is the idea that the shard in creating the world or influencing the world would be constantly inventing something new yes and like so each island new would be a little bit different yeah yeah exactly okay, cool that's how i'm imagining and i guess this is now this is canon we just made this canon <laughs> our shard was experimenting and inventing with each of these major islands great now i have a background in history geography a little bit of climate and ecology stuff. And I don't want to nerd out too much, but that's the next thing on the list. Once you've defined your continents or kind of the settings that we have, then the next question is like, okay, in that type of continent, what climate exists? Mm -hmm. And so we have a lot of work to do here because we have a bunch of different small continents. Right. Do you want to kind of try to simplify a little bit so we yeah. can just kind of uh you know do this somewhat quickly yeah why don't we pick maybe like three of the continents two or three of the continents that will be like primarily focused on and okay. decide what those three are like okay yeah that sounds great i think that you threw out a couple of examples you know really mountainous mm -hmm. maybe like a, a swiss alps island you know, Ooh, <laughs> you know just uh -huh. like really really mountainous and yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of hot weather planets in the Cosmere already. And so I'm interested in seeing something different. Like what is a, a cold weather mountain type people in the Cosmere? Okay, like? so let's go. One of the northernmost continents is very mountainous. Mm -hmm. And those mountains are definitely going to impact the people that live there. Um, and, and the kind of society that develops. And that's what we're going to do here. We're going to kind of keep narrowing down our funnel of mm -hmm. creation. I like that concept of a continent of mountains, but I'd throw out that maybe there is a large kind of like the caldera or whatever that uh, exists on Scadrial in Era 2, but like a maybe protected valley of some type. Sure. Okay. okay. So there's a bunch of mountains, but a protected valley of some type, like a California valley, you know, a big, yeah. huge valley of like 500 plus miles where a lot of stuff could happen. And okay. we'll leave that. We'll put a well, pin in that. Yeah. So then on this continent, okay. I feel like you would also have people living on the coast line. Maybe it's still like, you know, a cold coastline, like a British Isle where like... <laughs> or an Oregon coast. Yeah. Pacific sure. Northwest. Yeah. 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 Definitely uh, vibe on that. I think that that would be... If we go with more of like a British Isle rather than like a California or Mediterranean, uh -huh. then coastal living isn't really super great. It, yeah. It's kind of harsh weather. But you would think you would still have people, you know, the fishermen yes, or definitely, like whatnot still living there. Yeah, definitely people who work and live on the coast. But I would say your your protection is going to come from being slightly like you would have the people 
Well, this is what I'm saying. I'm mm-hmm. saying there, you're going to have people on the coasts, obviously. Then you're also going to have people living in the mountains. Yes. And then you have your valley dwellers. Exactly. So you have kind of three different sets of people living on this continent, broadly speaking. That makes total sense. Cool. Yeah, I think okay. that, that works out well. Great. Let's jump over to another one of our continents. I think I like the idea of something else we haven't really seen too much, a little bit with Taldane, but I would like a, a really arid oh, place a as well. Yeah. Okay. I think that would be cool. First thoughts, initial reaction. Yeah. So is this like, it's kind of the opposite. It's very flat. I don't necessarily think that flat is the, yeah, sure. It's flat. It's it's a lot of flatness, but with uh, high plateaus instead of like jagged peaks okay. that I was imagining in the other place. I'm thinking there's a couple of like plateaus, real blocky looking mountains, uh, but really dry, really arid. And are there uh, like wind tunnels? Magic wind tunnels <laughs> where you just hop on and fly in the wind? Uh, or, or are you saying like uh, geographic features? Yeah, yeah, geographic features. The sort of weird rock formations and like chasms that form in Utah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, all throughout like Utah, Nevada, uh, Arizona. Yeah, where it's like... Very dry, but you get all kinds of like cool landscape that forms over time exactly. from the elements like cutting through the rock yeah. is what I am imagining. Absolutely. And I love that uh, that setting as well, uh, just all throughout the flat part of the Western United States. Uh, no luscious fields of corn <laughs> here. This it's is just all It's a very different type of beauty. Exactly. Yeah. And... I think that would be a really cool contrast Mm -hmm. with the, you know, very basic ways of my understanding of like how the climate on the planet works. It would just need to find itself in the perfect line of latitude Mm -hmm. or longitude where it's just like getting passed over by most of the moisture. And it's just a really dry naturally. Maybe we can just say it's really old and also kind of has uh, one side one uh, coastline that is really really plateau or like has a high mountain and that just like keeps all the moisture mm, off from the rest of the okay uh yeah, continent totally that's cool okay awesome in that case would you have like a group of people living in the rain drenched area and also a group of people living you know in the in the chasms sort of i think that by the time of our story uh-huh we would have a dominant society and the main society that lived in the more dry and arid places. And we can define like why or what happened later. Yeah. But I would say, yes, maybe some in the exteriors, but the main society that lives there Mm -hmm. for whatever reason are desert dwellers. Okay. Fun. I think for the sake of simplicity, Mm -hmm. we should stick with, those two continents. Okay. You don't want to keep going. <laughs> I just think we have a lot of development to do even with just these two. And I don't want to, I don't want this to be like a three hour podcast. <laughs> totally understand. Okay. So let's do one more thing though. Okay. Because I would love to define what's our number in the Cosmere. Many of the oh, planets have numbers. Good question. And I feel like if we picked a number, 
we could then say there are this many small continents and you would do and so like okay. our fans could do the yeah. other continents oh my gosh and they could fun. play along in the ones okay. that we have so i'm thinking and this is i'm just gonna throw this out there no no you throw out a number and i will i'm gonna hold up my number behind my head she cannot see but my number is now being held up and then you go ahead and say your number six. Ooh, i said seven. Oh, we have no odd digits in the cosmere well yeah that's why i picked six it needs to fit with the other i think it doesn't need to establish i feel like that's the thing that we got going here is that now the idea of seven is really bothering me <laughs> it's just upsetting you yeah just on a permanent level like it cannot be seven yeah i what would you have three sets of no you can't like you can't we can't do seven can't do any odd number no okay I'm going to see this one. That's totally fine. Six it is. <laughs> okay. Seven minus one for all you other fans out there. No. Okay. So we have these two small continents that we okay, have Okay. The done. only way it can be seven if it's, is if it's actually an eight world and we're just missing the last one. No. I want an odd numbered planet for no. one reason. I'm, I'm not saying for this one. I'm saying in the Cosmere, I hope there is a planet that is odd numbered. And that that's explained because even numbers are so easy to understand. It's just like pairs and then bigger yeah. pairs. I don't want pairs. I want uh, something want that breaks. chaos. Yes, exactly. Oh, my gosh. Luckily, we're not in Westview. This is not WandaVision. And we can remain focused and compromised because I think six is okay. great. Great. So there are six small continents and we've done two and we're going to do yeah. two. Let's continue down because... The landmass climate kind of well-defined. Mm -hmm. Let's start to define who lives on these different continents. Would you like to start on our mountainous continent or our arid continent? Let's start on the arid continent. Okay. If we're going with what I said a couple of minutes ago, yeah. then we got a really tall mountain chain on one side of the continent mm -hmm. blocking any moisture that comes in off the ocean. And then really dry arid maybe spots of like high desert down to low really hot desert but i'm not thinking completely blank okay right like there's got to be something that our people are living in getting like resources out of yeah so i i think that a i am imagining these people being really resourceful like mm -hmm. taking having very little um on the surface and getting a lot out of that. Ooh, are they uh, tunnelers? Do they live in caves? Ooh, okay, that's. I think yeah, mole people works. Yeah, they're they definitely a they mole have people like vibe. a an elaborate system of caves uh, that keep them out of the elements, out yes. of the sun. That's Ooh, kind yeah. of where they live, maybe. And then perhaps they also mine. Yes, I definitely think mm -hmm. at this point. In, you know, when our story meets them, they've probably been miners for a really long time. Like they are extremely good. Maybe that's their main thing. Like they okay. are pulling lots of metals, yeah. lots of rare earth uh, minerals, all mm -hmm. of that stuff. And then whenever we kind of define an era for our people to live in, they, they will have been mining for a really long time. Really good, maybe started at being really good at getting water because I would feel like that's a primary you think concern they, like drill for water yeah that would be a okay. super interesting like if our planet at one point Ooh, was a or they've invented mm -hmm. 
some way of transporting and sanitizing water from the oceans. Oh, that would be awesome. Or from the super rainy part, the mountains where it does rain a lot, mm -hmm. maybe aqueduct system yeah they've got some invention that helps them with that okay problem I, I like that a lot yeah i could because i'm just trying to say like what's the most basic need that they would have yeah and that's like water but on in an arid location water would be really hard to get yeah and so you either you need to move it or you need to manufacture it kind of mm -hmm. um and i think that throughout the history of these people like what made them good is they were able to find water and I like the idea of transporting it, mm -hmm. that there was like an, a maybe big aqueduct system. Maybe they've found uh, like natural springs inside the Absolutely. caves. Yeah. And then they've invented ways of transporting that water around the cave system. Love it. I think that, yeah, if the natural continent that they're on has a huge system of mountains and they kind of then take the water that hits that on the mountainside doesn't naturally go over and rain everywhere else, but they have a system of tunnels so that it doesn't evaporate and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they have now kind of superseded. They have just all of these underground tunnels that takes water to their society, however big it happens to be. Love that. Cool. Yeah, that is cool. Okay. How about our mountain people? Well, I really liked what you said about maybe people. Okay, so what if the arid desert people are a little bit more united or more homogeneous. Okay. They're a little bit more together. Uh -huh. But There's like one big tribe. Kind of, yeah. I could see that working well if they're like a cooperative mm -hmm. uh, group of individuals, but like very collectively based more okay. because mm -hmm. they need to do these big projects like dig through this tunnel. When yeah. we started, it took us like 100 years and multiple <laughs> lifetimes. And now we're super good at building tunnels. But like you would have had to have that foresight and that like collective attitude. Uh -huh. But our mountain world, I like what you said early about there being different groups of people that would have some power and like uh -huh. importance. And so like a coastal people, even if the coast is harsh, there's definitely like a coastal group of people, mm -hmm. a live in the mountains people. Mm -hmm. though, okay, this is the first thought. I don't know why, but this is what happened. The gorilla tribe from Black Panther, oh. M'Baku, yeah. was the leader yeah. there. Yeah, that is exactly what my brain <laughs> shot out of like what the this snow is monkeys. Like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Just living up in the mountains. Like, we don't need you, rest of the people. We got our own little tribe. No, so like mountain dwellers. Yeah. And then I like that idea of like a big, gigantic valley, you know, like the Indus Valley. In yeah, Asia or, or I think the clearly valley. the the valley would be where most of the people would live. Modernly, yeah, definitely yeah, just would have attracted sure. all, little small towns and villages that then turned into bigger and bigger cities. I think that's you know very we could use yeah. our own. I wonder we'll kind of in a little bit get more into uh, like history and mythology, mm -hmm. but I wonder if they have maybe a mythology about coming down from the mountains into this fertile yes. valley. Like maybe they don't even know that there are still people living up in the mountains. Interesting. Okay, that's that's super interesting. Maybe I could see a group of people. Or the mountains have some kind of spiritual significance. Yes. And like the the monks, the religious people 
live up in the mountains okay. and then I like this. The, the valley people make pilgrimages up the mountains to like return to their point of origin and commune with their spiritual leaders. Okay, love it. I, I think that this is great. Everyone knows that like they came from the mountains. That's all their history is about coming from the mountains and like coming out of the mountains, down from the mountains into this like shard given valley of perfection. And their main society lives there. The mountains are too hard to live in. They're just, they're too mm-hmm. jagged, too uh, altitude, you know, sickness, all that stuff. Like it's just too much. But pilgrimages, you got everything from uh, young kids trying to go up as high as they can, you know, as a challenge, a bet uh, to prove their love. Maybe <laughs> the rebels are rock climbers. Exactly. And you could have a group of people, maybe religious group who do like live as close to the mountain as they can or as high on the mountain as they can. Yeah. And they see like going into the mountains as being closer to God, basically. I am mm-hmm. hesitant to make this like beautiful fertile valley though because i feel like what is the conflict going to be like what is their challenge if they live in such a abundant place from my perspective i feel like the exciting time to be on this planet would be comparable to maybe like the 16 eh, 15 to 1700s on our own planet with a lot of new connections between far off places oh and so like okay. the age of discovery you know everything from columbus so is this and- maybe uh people who have been living in the mountains separately for a long time have now all found this valley in the middle of the continent at the same time and so they're meeting new people i'm thinking the meeting is happening between all of the different continents are individual continents and their history would oh. have needed to be decided. But just like from the the wider perspective, okay. like the, an age of discovery is happening. And if an age of discovery is happening, I like what you said about, yeah, everybody came out of the mountains, but they were different, you know, from different parts mm-hmm. of the mountains. Mm-hmm. And they all kind of go back to their tribal mountain, you know, that they're still like the one they came from type of thing. But it would have been a history, yes, of like, clashing and fighting over the valley retreating into the mountains and at a certain point yeah you got to have some type of unification Uh um, across the continent you know someone Mm -hmm. william the conquerors it on up okay so but they would then also have to travel back through the mountains to access the water in order to get to other continents unless they've invented air travel Ooh, air travel would be amazing for these people yeah i think short range air travel is what they've invented so this is also when we get to in our outline what the x factor is or yes element, element x. x what is the thing that is different about these people that makes it unique in the cosmere obviously that is our investiture what's our investiture how is it manifesting on this planet I think we're at that point. Okay. So let's try to do our best, but this is clearly where we're going to go Definitely very not far gonna astray. not going to be as cool as Brendan's yes. stuff. So we're invention. That's our shard. There has to be some way that the shardic powers and influence is touching the physical realm, the cognitive realm, and the spiritual realm. Yes. I think the first question we should answer is 
Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Okay. No. Um, <laughs> like we were talking about on our last podcast episode, are they born with it? Something like a Scadrial situation or a Nalthian situation? In Scadrial, we have individualized people, people who have been, you know, picked out to be powerful. On Nalthus, it's blanket. Everyone gets a little bit. Mm-hmm. But either way, it's something that you can't really control. You are born with it. Versus something like a Rashar situation where it's sort of a choice. Something that you actively do in order to gain power. Yes. And often we talked about this very briefly, but uh, an external source. So like on Rashar, you have to do something and you have to find a spren who's willing to bond as well. Right. So there's like an external element to, and I think my first urge is to say more close to a Nalthinian system. I agree. I think for us little baby world creators, we should go with something very simple, which is that people are just born with it. And then we can come up with like the system of access. How do they access it? Because that's going to be an interesting question, a difficult question for us to answer and stay within the limits of the Cosmere. Yeah. Okay. So everybody has a little blessing, we'll call it an invention blessing. Okay. And the... I think that's important because I do think that an aspect of invention that should be part of our shards history is that anybody can do it type of thing. Okay. Like a like a chef. Anybody can cook. <laughs> Just like Ratatouille guy. Hmm. Okay. I'm thinking what if the blessing is in some way finite but also regenerates? So it's almost like a currency. You have this little bit of like invention power, but you can only use it, you know, once per day or whatever we determine the limit is so that you can't just be constantly inventing or constantly doing whatever this power allows. I think that's great. You have to sort of strategize and then you also have to work with other people, right? Because if you already spent yours, you have to kind of like collaborate to keep using power. Okay, here's the one wrinkle that I want to throw in because I love that idea. I love the idea of a limitation on the magic system. Brandon, I think, would find that appealing as well. Yeah. I question, this is just my question, can it be exchanged like a breath? Can our blessing be exchanged like a breath? Is it an actual economy? I was thinking no. Okay, so it's a... No one else can use yours. Got it. Okay. But that, yours is finite. So again, like you kind of, you, uh, you can be helped by collaborating with other people to accomplish something because together you will have more power. Okay. I love that idea as a natural limitation. A, yeah. That's the shardic intent. Uh-huh. And I would also love if the conclusion of our story was them inventing a way out of that, figuring out a work around or a loophole. Right. So that they don't have to do that. I and think, they can... yeah, on a long enough timeline, obviously, we would see this planet also coming up with Fabrials yes. to break the bounds of their investiture. Well, Fabrials are going to be big on the planet if I, you know, if they're an invention planet. I'm thinking like yeah. Fabrials are going to be their jam once once they, they uh, get out into the Cosmere. This is a dangerous situation. I also just thought of uh, that idiom or axiom 
necessity is the mother of invention. Exactly. So then I'm thinking like, okay, maybe we really need to define what their necessities are. Like, why are they inventing? I think because the two continents that we like that question is part of everyone's history. And so I think that you have these different tests that we've already said is like what the shard was doing. He's like planning out all of these different island continents that are going to develop in different ways, but he's limiting each of them in Why different is ways. Why the shard a he? That's a fair point. The shard does not need to be a he. The shard does not need to be gendered at all. The would you prefer? No, I'm just pointing it out. That's fine. I just like to, you know, just point the way our our minds automatically work. Yeah, death to the patriarchy. <laughs> no, we let's go with a, a she. That would be wonderful. Okay. And I also just want to throw just a thought to like throw into our little stew pot mm-hmm. that I have been thinking about with invention shard. I'm thinking of the character Penance. Yes. From the Nevers. Love it. And so I'm thinking maybe this power works in some way where they can pull the electricity out of the air or something like that. She, I believe, sees electricity. Yes. So maybe it's something like that. Love that idea. So I I think that if we have this idea of the island continents representing different limitations and struggles so that our shard can learn whatever information they seemingly want to learn or like whatever they're playing with, then the limiting factor on each of the different island continents becomes the necessity. So our arid desert people need water badly Mm -hmm. and they need the tunnel system. And that's going to be their necessity is water and distributing water really effectively and efficiently. And our people in the mountain world, I love the idea that they have invented flight And I like the idea that travel would have been really difficult and you would have had these separate groups. So it's kind of like a mini Rashar in some ways is like they're all fighting for Mm. the valley. Yeah. So then I'm also thinking like if there is a uh, is there a spectrum of this investiture? Is there like different types or different ways to use it or are we sticking with more of a nalthian model where it kind of like works the same across the board no i love the idea that it is a kind of power maybe like electricity electrical surge power um but it's a kind of power that exists to be used it's stormlight but it can be used in a bunch of different ways like it is you know a Fuel. It's a fuel. Okay. More than something very specific like a breath. I don't really know. What are your thoughts on how it should be utilized? Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, I guess this is why authors don't build a world in one podcast session. (laughs) Because it's difficult. And we knew this was going to be the difficult part too. But then I was also thinking, what if if it is sort of a an electrical type thing? Maybe there is one tribe that can see the electricity, one tribe that can conduct the electricity, one tribe, I don't know, that does something else. Okay. No, no, I like this. Just a thought. I like this concept, especially on our mountain continent. Let's say that they became way more diversified. 
Like they're in the same basic place by the time mm-hmm. our story picks up. They're in an age of discovery. Mm-hmm. Ooh, they have like uh, family specialties. Yes, things huge that they specialize in. Yes, like in the area that they're from. Yes, exactly. You know? and so if you say I'm from the whatever family, everyone's like, oh, they're the conductors or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I think that gives them a connection to the land, a connection to their history, and gives lots of potential for like past elements of society to be influencing our modern story, mm-hmm. um, class hierarchies maybe that yeah. developed. I think yeah. that that's... Now I'm imagining like Italian like noble families the venetians yeah with their fancy clothes and looking down upon the rest of us normies yeah that's a fun idea to play with especially because if we if we're in a world i'm imagining you know somewhat developed Mm -hmm. a a developing world a developing society that has different levels of invention but we still really need to define like the the x factor so let's okay let's take this one step at a time Okay. of just, I have, I was going to say invention surge. I have a surge of invention. Inspiration. <laughs> okay. I have one inspiration per day. You like that? Yeah. Okay. Per day, I have one inspiration. And there are no set rules about the one inspiration can do. Okay. Like it's not use one inspiration and this exact thing will always happen. Mm-hmm. It is got to be open to interpretation yeah it's a tool that you can choose how to use yes okay and so i think that really early on to get something you know useful for our people the arid desert people would maybe use their inspiration for finding water or sources of water Uh and the bigger the source of water or the more difficult or more far away it was the more people you needed like it was like a, you know, you could use it to just kind of sense where water was close around. Got it. it. Is I'm imagining it kind of working like some of the metals in Mistborn where you see a like blue line connecting yeah, to that the would be thing. Awesome. Like if you use your inspiration, you see this line sort of that you can then follow to the water. Yeah. Maybe like a, a path in a video game that kind of like appears yeah. before you. Uh, and yes, you would take that to the water. And that's how they would have in their very early world used inspiration. So for our mountain people, maybe I imagine them kind of like in their ancient days Mm -hmm. would have been more like tinkers, like all living on the mountains together. Sure. Just like small little shops. I'm imagining it snows a lot and like it's very cold. So they're inside a lot. So yeah, they're like whittling and crafting. Exactly. A bunch of crafters, just a bunch of people on making it. Uh, It's just a group of Nick Offermans and Amy Polars. That's (laughs) what we're going for with the mountain people. Perfect. And there's a lot of emphasis on collaboration, yes, but maybe more of an emphasis on like individual yeah, inspiration. Craftsmanship. Yes. And like, okay, I like a lot that. of uh, I like if the if the arid place is collaboration mm-hmm. and then in contrast, the mountainous place is more individual craftsmanship, individual uh, you know, raising yourself up as a inventor yeah because like everyone is kind of a tinkerer everyone is kind of working on stuff so you have to have kind of your own signature really be great at something yes exactly and then maybe the people who 
you know, used their... That's actually... I'm going to start... Well, maybe we'll get to this later. What is it? Just say it. Well, I was thinking that could also factor into our socioeconomics and like social structure because if you are a person from a more poor family, you would constantly need to be using your inspiration to like get food, get water. You know, you you wouldn't be able to use your inspiration to raise yourself up to become more of a a crafter craftsman type and if we're going with this idea that like the more people that are working together the more powerful your single use of an inspiration can be Mm -hmm. then the people who it would create like a snowballing effect right whereas like you became a really good craftsman throughout your own work but then that attracted a couple more people to you and then you got to use all of the inspirations together which further separated you and so you could imagine Mm. a huge inequality that could spiral the middle classes shrinking yes very much so okay a difficult middle class life i like that idea i think that our inspiration should it definitely needs to manifest itself in a way physically all of our investiture kind of manifests Mm. physically Mm -hmm. in some way so what would you like a use of inspiration to look like in the physical world? Do you imagine lots of color? Or are they just sitting there thinking by themselves and then just like they raise their eyebrows? Yeah, I'm imagining a uh, like a meditation uh, oh, okay, like catalyst. This. A catalyst after they meditate. Yeah. So like in order to access your inspiration, you would do some type of meditation and then i'm imagining the person like starts glowing or something and that's when their inspiration has been activated and maybe they okay a light bulb goes off and they are the light bulb yes okay exactly got it love it (laughs) and they get just like one tiny little drop of like shard sight or an expansion of their perspective their view that type of thing that we see with like Vin and other characters when they ascend to shardhood. Okay. Except it's, Love this. you know, on a very, very small level. And so in order to not be overwhelmed or like to be able to use that power for the problem that they're trying to solve, mm-hmm. they have to do the meditation okay. first. I think that that is great for differentiation of our societies and our people in our society because some people are going to be really good at meditating and like you said that maybe a religion is Uh established around that fact other people are just going to be you know chill and not do any type or like (laughs) very going to be chill very minimal type of meditation or maybe just yeah just like deep breath in deep breath out and then boom i love the concept though of the light bulb going off they glow a tiny bit and the more people that are using the inspiration together the brighter the glow yeah also really love the idea that they get the instantaneous shard sight but only for like the briefest moment and maybe invention does some type of limiting factor so it's really only Mm -hmm. focused on what they're looking at Mm -hmm. and their kind of view so when the arid people need water he's like tightening the spectrum sure and then they just get a a brief glimpse and a pinprick of shardic sight Mm -hmm. that's really cool I think that's a great setup for our Cosmere power, our investiture on our planet. We don't have a planet name. Fans. Name our planet. Please name the planet. (laughs) Name the planet. Finish doing all of the other continents. You're going to really need to pick up the slack here. 
Okay, let's move on to our next uh, sort of outline element here, which is the sociological, cultural uh, type factors. We've already talked about this a little bit. N.K. Jeminson prompts that usually these types of factors have some kind of relationship to the geography or something about the world, which, again, we've talked about a little bit, the way that the geography might inform who these people are and how they interact with each other and the world. Can I say, and this is just in no relation to world events, one about Eastern European kind of theme going on for our mountain people, like everything from just like a linguistically little Slavic. Oh, sure. A lot of thick clothing, you know, with the... Lots and lots of exactly lots and lots of warmth, basically, is what I'm thinking. But you know, the big hats, the kind of large, big, yeah, the large jackets and all that stuff. Like, sure, that's what I am kind of imagining for our group of mountain people. Mm -hmm. Terraria, what are we calling this continent? That's a fun word to say. Okay, excellent. This continent with the mountains is called Terraria. Okay, and so you know, taking from that group of people and that kind of society as our soft inspiration here on the world. I'm going to say that on Terraria, there's a lot of languages that are all very similar in terms of their actual makeup, but there's a lot of different dialects. Oh, yeah. Love that. For the people who live in the different you know, mm-hmm. communities and stuff and the, the long histories of being more isolated, lots of different dialects that I'm imagining. Yeah. And you can kind of, if you know, you know, to an outsider, they're going to seem to all be speaking the same language. But then if yeah, you know, but if you, you can live hear the there, I think there is a really uh, big emphasis. Like when you introduce yourself, you know, you're probably stating your name, the family that you come from, which also, oh, you, come you from? know, yeah, connotes something about the land that you're from. Uh, and then your voice, your accent, your language will also uh, kind of have that hallmark stamped. I like that idea a lot. Yeah. Okay. So that's great. This to me means that there's going to be a lot of conflict, a lot of tension that has existed on this Yeah. I think there's a lot of hierarchy. Yeah. Definitely seems like there would have been groups and maybe different groups throughout history that dominated for long mm-hmm. periods of time and so you would have maybe kind of like dynasties in a, yeah. in a soft way uh-huh. of just like this tribe ruled for the last five centuries i don't know maybe five decades and then were replaced you know supplanted yeah by a better invention <laughs> a better group of tinkerers and yeah stuff. totally which then when we get to our modern day is going to be apparent in everything. Maybe there was, ooh, I would love this. We have a city. We'll just call it, you know, the capital city for simplicity. But you should be able to see in the architecture mm. wildly different time styles. periods and styles. Yeah. And so maybe, ooh, let's go with, uh, there's been a rather recent new tribe ooh, love that. coming into power uh-huh. after a long period let's say a hundred years okay. of the rule of a previous tribe and they're probably not tribes anymore at this they're point. families okay they're families yeah. i got you nice. yeah. love it okay so uh previous... but they're like 
like I said before, like Italian families, like the real families. Yeah, big, <laughs> like you know, with fancy names and like houses. Da Vinci, just like yeah, real cool stuff. Exactly. <laughs> Medici. <laughs> But of course, we're now Slavic. Whatever the yeah, whatever the Slavic version of Da Vinci is. Yes, Deripaski is what it is. Uh, I think that that's a great way to think of it. Okay, so there maybe in the last ten years, a new family has taken control, mm-hmm. and they are going to be making lots of changes. But you should be able to see in the city itself mm-hmm. that there was a very like. A tradition that was established, an aesthetic style that was built. All of the newer places should all look like the previous family. And then the brand new places, or maybe like slapped on top of stuff, is the new family. (laughs) Yeah. So you kind of have like, you know, like fresh green paint or something (laughs) is now applied on top of the red that used to exist there before. What about our uh, arid continent? We needed a name for this one, too. Well, I did Terraria, so you're on the hook for- That was too good. (laughs) I can't possibly follow that. You definitely can't. Just let it percolate while I'm talking here. Okay. And think of name for this arid desert. And the people I'm thinking, we've already talked about them being a little bit more collective. I'm thinking that they are far more homogeneous in their language- and so if we kind of imagine a same thing happen, because we're, we're saying that our shard created these with a purpose, we don't need to define the purpose for this. Sure. Story. But like created with a purpose, I'm thinking that like one tribe long ago took over and basically then just like spread from there, maybe because they found water for the first time. And so like instead of a bunch of small groups... Are they like a Roman Empire situation where they have incorporated other tribes into their tribe? I'm thinking at this point that they are so unified. I mean, you're always doing that. Even a very homogeneous population does look like that when you break it down. So where our other group of individuals were segmented by their geography... There basically is no, you know, this tunnel system. Maybe they have some type of cars. They go underground with like trains or cars and the other people have flight. Okay. And uh-huh. that's kind of like how their specialties yeah, diverge. Are different. Yeah. Okay. So you would have had, I'm just imagining more akin to like a Japanese history where it is you've had a group of people who have a lot of differentiation between themselves Mm -hmm. but are virtually identical from outside perspective far more of a unified culture society maybe a more one solid religion or or just more uniformity is there any uh diversity though i think that there definitely should be diversity that even that exists here but i want to just like say that it's not really comparable to what we were seeing on the other continent for sure so how would this happen we have an arid tunneling people who have to look for water have to spread water you would obviously place some value on people who could find water and who are good at finding water and then good at building tunnels Mm -hmm. what if there were people who like really really valued efficiency and like everything was Mm -hmm. about being Mm -hmm. as efficient as possible Mm -hmm. and i like that like no 
wasting can't waste anything of anything yeah because the yeah. resources are not just too your sparse energy not water not food like you never waste your inspiration is, exactly That's... yeah like very <gasps> disciplined yes. and yeah what if some of the people even okay so like our terrarian people they're almost always going to be using their inspiration as just like a one-time thing once per day but they're using it yeah. once per day yeah and the arid people are maybe so enamored their religion their culture is so focused on like not wasting anything mm -hmm. being hyper efficient mm -hmm. that one of the things that their culture mm -hmm. has been working on for a long time is like how do we save up our individual inspiration you can't sure you only get one per day and yeah. it's like it gets erased well and night. i wonder if if there is a convention in the society or like a you know societal rule that you really should be using your inspiration for the greater good for the, oh, the for greater the group, good the greater good the group yeah i um, think that's a and good call. that it would be very frowned upon for you to use your inspiration for something personal or like individual again to like set it apart from terraria where they're kind of always using it in an individual aggrandizement type way mm -hmm. In contrast, I'm naming this planet Shersharan. Shersharan. Okay. Yeah. The continent of Shersharan. Yeah. Love it. They named it after the sound of the wind passing through desert canyons. Genius. Genius over here. Okay. So Shersharan. Yeah. I like that idea that they are so collectively focused that to use your inspiration for an individual purpose would be considered wasteful yeah it'd and be very frowned upon people would really not like that you would be chastised oh heavy amount of religious separation oh so like everyone is judging each other yeah for definitely the for use like of their inspiration how altruistic how are you yeah how much are you contributing to the group and yes. any type of individual desire would be heavily shamed shame would be a big part of this culture okay okay so a lot of shame <laughs> yeah. a lot of <laughs> repression that's the way that we make people be part of our group yes exactly yeah. and the fear of <gasps> okay so here it is if there is a single dominant society and then there definitely is a group of people who have been ostracized but they oh. are so ostracized they've created their own community really really small community and let's say that they exist on the uh the coastal side uh where it just like rains constantly okay. and nobody goes over there because okay. it's just like too harsh yeah and, and nobody it's like a you know just being beaten down by the storm father all the time <laughs> uh but that's what they're dealing with and that's like your banishment Ooh, you can be banished to the other side of the mountains. Love. <gasps> okay, here is just a little thing that maybe can happen, is that first contact with people from a different continent uh -huh. happens to the banished group of individuals oh. instead of the yeah. dominant. And then that would set up a uh, conflict on the continent uh -huh. about how that's dealt with from a interpersonal yeah and then you would have the greater yeah, because conflict. then would the would the foreigners be like now trading resources with the ostracized people and, that is my thought and enriching yes, the ostracized exactly. people exactly Okay. And so you like you banished these people. You thought they were gone for a long time, but because you don't banish a bunch of, it's like a serious thing. It's like more yeah. serious than death. Yeah, yeah. Like to be banished is 
a punishment greater than death in society. Like we would rather you were here and we could shame you <laughs> rather than banish you. So it doesn't happen that often, but over enough time, you I just I want to know if they have a scarlet letter for people who we can make them have a scarlet misuse letter. Misuse <laughs> their inspiration. Yeah, there, I mean, there's lots of dark stuff that we could go down as well. But I, I like this group. I like their way that the society works together. They would certainly need lots of scientific knowledge when it came to, like, I'm thinking magnets are really big for these people. Oh. Like, that's how they're okay. transporting things. They're mining, uh-huh. obviously, getting your metals out uh-huh. there. And they've gotten to a point where now they have, like, maglev trains, basically. Cool. And that's zipping around the tunnels, transporting both water and people, People. resources, and all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. I think you would still find places that were more hospitable for like their cities to develop, but they would still be heavily dug in. Like Mm -hmm. even the nicest place wouldn't be where you're chilling outside in the middle of the day. Yeah. It's like too hot. Yeah. Too dry. Yeah. So it's like a lot of underground cities, a lot of reverse cities, maybe like the rift from Mashar, you know, built into the crevice, but not that big of a, a crevice type of thing, but just like a lot of, uh, you know, adobe stone type of thing cut into the sides of mountains. We have talked a lot about how the Shersharans get water, but what about food? Because in those types of environments, because there is such a dearth of water, there's also not a lot of animals or plants like in those areas. And getting food is also more difficult. Are they trading for food or like what is that situation like? It's a good question. I think that clearly if they're a big society and, you know, they're getting ready for the age of empires, the age of exploration, I think we should probably say that there is there is some type of land where things like goats pigs Mm -hmm. cattle but maybe not as big as they get i don't know um but like there's some type of grassland that exists in like a narrow range somewhere Mm. and i was thinking more like kind of like how the people on detritus eat a lot of algae (laughs) Like Ooh, maybe, like that. maybe they're like a, a <gasps> cactus farming situation or yeah, they've got some small farms in caves that have those like natural springs. Yeah, I like but that. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to go around. And so they're being very resourceful with the things that can grow there, like cacti, where they're making, you know, cactus bread. Cactus, cactus mash, juice. cactus juice. It's yeah. the quenchiest. Yep. I think that we have a great setup here. The only other thing is that maybe they have gotten, like I'm trying to think of what exists that can be you know, grown at scale. There's got to be some type of mushroom. That's what it is. They're cave people. They definitely oh, have a, a mushroom somewhere. Are there warm weather mushrooms? No, but we were talking about in the caves. The caves can be as cold as possible. Yeah, I guess how. that's true. So they're mushroom people, obviously. Okay. No, so they don't need cacti to. Cacti and mushrooms. Cacti and mushrooms I like. Okay, so they love succulents. They love cacti. Yeah. And they love mushrooms to vary their diet around. That concept, though, of like resources being so tight that you don't even have a great number of food options. You've just gotten really, really great at making mushroom cacti paste. Yeah. That is really dark, but <laughs> I love it because it's but such a- But this is such a uh, 
sterile sort of, you know, intense uh, society. Maybe now it's like it's too indulgent to eat something. It would be indulgent. Yeah, that, of course. That tastes better. Yeah, you can't possibly. And you don't want to be- waste your inspiration on like thinking about how to spice your mushrooms to taste better. What a waste. 100%. Yeah. And then, so I would love. Like, just eat them plain. It's good enough. A lack of development in some ways, especially when it comes to, like, entertainment, the arts. Yeah. Not necessarily like arts. Like, very but just like, basic culinary situation. Absolutely. Which would be fun to play around with if it's a time when all the continents are meeting each other. Right. Because and then it's like, oh, dang, these people have great food. Exactly. You're just <laughs> introducing someone to fruit And for the then first time. their whole society is like uprooted because now all the kids are, you know. Out there eating sugars. Yeah. Just, just candy canes. Into and... spicy food. <laughs> leading them down the path of sin. Well, just leading them down the path of upset stomachs. <laughs> just a little deli belly for everyone. I like that idea. I like that they would definitely, you know, shame people into eating boring food, eating their boring mushroom paste. Yeah. Because it's a way of sacrificing and like making your sacrifice uh, as part of the larger group. Yeah. It's like you would never go beyond the group. Yeah. Okay. So in both of these continents, how is that stratification in society being set up we've talked about it a little bit but like when it comes to an upper class a lower class a divergent group an ostracized group um like beauty standards these are all Mm, things that can be played around with when it comes to a society and like what does a society value what makes someone part of the dominant class in society what makes someone an outsider in their society yeah i mean i think on terraria since there is such a focus on individualism and artistry, the aesthetic sort of standards are going to be more intricate, more individualized. So the more, you know, creative and intricate your outfits, your hairstyles. A lot of colors. Are, yeah. Color, but also like, you know, embroidery Textures. and yeah. yeah, textiles. And did you sew your own outfit? Of course. Did you, I'm yeah, embroider your own thing? Are you cobbling your own shoes? And they are, you know, absolutely unique in the entire continent, that type of thing. And then if you are not of one of the sort of noble houses or like noble families. Noble families, okay. Yeah. Then, like we said before, you're having to use your inspiration for much more mundane things and you probably have much more plain clothing, etc. Okay, so what is the... I know I didn't want to go right back to the magic system, but like in your thought process, what's the minimum thing that one use of inspiration can do? What's like the bare minimum? Looking for something seems to already exist on our planet Uh of just like, I need to know where to go. I need to know where this thing is, this Uh item is. Uh That's pretty minimal. um, And I I think a a good starting point. Yeah, baseline. Yeah, baseline power. Excellent answer. We'll We'll go with that. And then back over to more of the societal aspects. I think that on Terraria, you would definitely have that house rivalry or the family rivalry Uh 
But I think even within those families, it would be constantly like jockeying for power oh, over totally. one another. It's yeah. not a solid set. Everything is very fluid. Yeah. But therefore, people are much more comfortable with being fluid. So here's my suggestion. Okay. You let me know what you think. I think this society should have a group across the continent who are far more likely to be gender fluid. Oh, love that. To change yeah. their gender, not just- Presentation. To change their presentation at all times, to change their presentation for style points, for societal uh-huh, points. Uh-huh. Um, you know, what it, one house is doing, maybe they are dominated by a matriarch. And then all of society starts to become more feminine. Not all of society, but like a bunch of the people who want to copy and try to gain favor, they become, they adopt the styles. They adopt like, what are you good at? Oh, bears live up on your mountain. So you have a lot of bear pelts. They were part of your (laughs) native house. And today, you know, little marks of the bear are found sure. on your clothing. Yeah, and so that like the broader society as a whole is sort of imitating the specific aesthetic of the ruling family at the time. Or purposefully going against it right. to show that they are they in clash. Exactly. Yeah. It's not going to be a society where you get people outcast like Shersheron. But I think that that idea of like fluidity is and flexibility mm-hmm. and like constantly being willing to change your mind is also an aspect of invention that is important. Uh, And and that's maybe their strength as a continent, as a group of people. Yeah. It's like it creates a lot of conflict. It creates a lot of internal dissent. uh, But it also... They have the ability to to pivot, to change, to move, to go with the flow. Airbenders. They are our airbenders, but our Slavic Eastern European airbenders who, who are gender fluid, Italian who are Italian families. family based, uh, who are all gender fluid. And I, I like this concept as Ooh, well. I want to like extend that, even though we're like using this concept of like families, but maybe they also have a very what we would consider like non traditional family structure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that families are all blood. Or families are yeah. limited in the way that we would traditionally be limited by families. I think I in that way they're they're kind of like the not just Eastern European, I'm thinking more Middle Eastern, but there's similar traditions all across the world. Don't want to denigrate anybody, of being very accepting when someone comes to your house. Mm. Uh, about just like you are yeah. here, you are family. Hospitality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that also being an aspect of the cooperation that's still required to jointly use inspiration mm-hmm. is like your fam you want your family to be able to grow and to attract new members that aren't necessarily all your seed and just like <laughs> creating more copies of yourself sure no no we, like they're not in a position where the population is so tight in that way that it's like actual family i think it's very fluid yeah and i think that like you can actually have and maybe have had you know groups of people who like move Across sure. families. Yeah, especially subgroups. if you are uh, inspired by the artistic techniques of a mm, certain family. Yes, a new invention. You might sort of like apprentice yourself to that family in order to learn their uses of inspiration. Okay, love this. I, I like the idea as well that they would have schools, masters, teaching apprentices. You yeah, know, and that's they- how I imagine them working quote unquote collaboratively Mm -hmm. so 
versus the Shersharan people who are like legitimately all working together to accomplish like a single goal. Yeah. I imagine the Terrarian people would more be like building on top of the inventions that have come before. So they're each sort of inventing for themselves, but then, you know, your friend sees what you do and like builds on top of that. Love that idea. Yeah. Standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. So you're not necessarily all working on the same thing, but you are taking inspiration, metaphorically speaking, Mm -hmm. from the people around you. And at some times working together to actually take or use inspiration jointly as well. Love that. That's super fun. We talked about this a little bit, but what do you think makes someone a rebel in society? On Chersharan, we have that group of exiles who are living on the coast. So those are like clearly our rebels. And what did they do to become rebels? They used their inspiration for like selfish purposes. Individualistic purposes. Okay. So what's an example of that? Like what is someone who used their inspiration for themselves or in a selfish manner? Well, I think it sort of would be using it in the way that the terrarian people do. Like yes, if you're more terrarian. Use it to create art or to make themselves more beautiful or... Oh, I love that idea that they're making yourself stand out from the yeah. crowd. Yeah. And... Yeah, if they use it to make themselves, you know, smarter or to stand out in any way. Oh, using themselves to make smarter. That's interesting. Like as a thing that could go wrong maybe you know for or could go very right for a while but like a savantism i mean you can use it to expand your mind but it just like needs to be while you're at work you know like on company time for the group okay the greater good yeah i think that that's cool on terraria what's the rebel who who, how, how are you define this broader society that's like following families that is constantly in flux Mm mm-hmm and has a long history of being constantly in flux. What does one do to rebel against a society like that? Yeah, I think even though there is like an emphasis on individualization in that culture, there's also like an emphasis on participating in society. So like everyone is, uh, is crafting, is creating, and that's how they participate so someone who sort of opted out of all Mm, of that and you're not allowed to be alone you know what like i don't really i don't really care about making the most ornate ornately carved chair you know like i don't really care about embellishing my stuff or like my person okay would be seen as like not participate like this is what we do bro you know is this a little bit like uh like a hippie like wanting to live on a commune and just like kind of chill. Like, uh, you guys are real into like crafting and, you know, making cool stuff like a bunch of dwarves over here just all <laughs> working together. Hi ho, hi ho. I don't yeah. want to do that. I just want to like chill on this farm. Peace. Or maybe this is because we've talked a bit about uh religion. Mm-hmm. Maybe these are the people who like go back up to the mountains who are like, I'm just going to live a spiritual life that's like not material. But at this point in their study, people who do that would be considered crazy. Yeah. I love it. Because the current society is like so materially focused. Focused. Yeah. Okay. That's really cool. I love the idea too that we already introduced is that they have developed ways to fly short distances and Mm -hmm. 
I would think that, you know, first contact, this is where we're going to leave you, I think. You feel like we're in a good place? Yeah, definitely. Awesome. I feel like we know who these people are. This is a fun time. You know, this is, this is exactly what uh, N.K. Jeminson wanted us to do. We've created a little world, hopefully kept you entertained enough. But I think that... We shouldn't talk about these two cultures maybe meeting. Yeah. And so that's the yeah. last thing of just like, here is my pitch for what's about to happen. And then the story would come after this mm-hmm. point. But like an initiation point, flashback five years ago, is a long ra- an individual just like flying this glider-like thing. Just, uh-huh. uh, you know, it looks like a dude with Leonardo da Vinci wings just painted on. And he's just trying to go as far as possible. Gets caught in yeah. a storm, rides it out, lands on a beach that's just wet, rocky, real Pacific Northwest vibes. Not great. Love it. And is rescued by a group of people. Yeah, the ostracized people. The ostracized people. Yeah. Yep. And that is what developed first Yeah, because then they would also have like a little bit of something in common with this terrarian person where they would be like, what? You know, you have gotten to use your inspiration in this way for so long that you have come up with air travel and like, and it's personal air travel. Like it's just for that one person, you know, not the group, not the collective, not the group, (laughs) not a plane. I think that sets us up for a contact that is going to throw off the Shersharan people and is going to cause a lot of chaos in their society is going to present an interesting situation because we don't know who the family that this individual is from. Is he working by himself? Mm, Is he part mm -hmm. of a high power or a low family house? Like where's his status in society? Discovering a new continent is going to make you super famous a la Marco Polo, a la Oh yeah, he would be like the biggest name on Shersharan. Yeah. I mean on on Terraria. terraria. Yeah, exactly. And- so that could throw a lot of chaos in. I love the idea that he comes from a maybe independent house or yeah. a, a new a new family. A new one. Yes. Yeah. A family the, that's going to be built around the flight him. school. Yeah, house. basically. <laughs> Skyward flight. That's new. Yeah. Uh, but it's going Top to cause a bunch of chaos in their society as well, because you'll get people who are interested in becoming the traders and like going to Shersharan, going to find out you know, what the contact is capable of, but they're following this one person who is not of the centuries long dynasty and is not of the new dynasty. And so they they feel that power slipping away. A A maverick, if you will. A maverick. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you, Goose. This has been an excellent run in. And we still have four other major continents. These are out there for you to develop and put them in a comparable situation, I think. And, and, you know, it doesn't mean everyone needs to be slamming together at the same time, but I do think... Yeah, you could have an isolationist continent. Yeah, just a completely... like, we don't leave our borders. But I love the idea that we have set out here. Six island continents, all kind of nearby one another, and we've done the first two. This has been super fun. It has. Let us know what you think. So unbelievably thankful so thankful for all of you thanks for being here thanks for listening to this extra long episode (laughs) hopefully this was as fun for you as it was for us and until next time life before death strength before weakness journey before destination 